welcome to the third episode of Inspired Southerner. Uh, it's been a while since we've had one of these podcasts, but I felt like it's something that I really needed to concentrate on and um, beginning those again. And I'm happy to have Glenn Kennard here as my guest on Inspired Southerner. We're going to talk to Glenn today about his children's book, Tony the Theater, Theater Dog, putting on a show. And Glenn is from Alabama but now lives in New York, and so we thought it would be a good idea to have, um, to record this episode sitting on the front porch of your childhood home in Gardendale, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Glenn. Thank you, Kara Kennedy. I'm honored to be here today, and I have Tony with me. Yeah, Tony. Tony, Tony. come over here. Tony. Say hi, everybody. <laughs> come here, Tony. You want to speak? You want to speak? Say something. What? Say something. Say something. <laughs> oh, he's he's eating cookies. Yes, Tony loves <laughs> cookies. Yeah, oh, Tony loves oh, cookies. There he is. I'll say something. <laughs> oh, he's a big boy. <laughs> you get verbal, don't you? So before we started recording, um, we were talking about Catherine Tucker Wyndham, a famous author. Oh, that's right. Here in Alabama. Yeah. Who you were telling me was one of your influences. Yeah. Uh, As I started cutting my teeth, so they say, in the the theater industry in New York, I still haven't had my first Broadway credit yet, but I'm working on it. Uh, It was a little later in life for me to go up there and start everything, but I'm not going to give up on the dream. Uh, because I got a second chance at this, and so I'm taking, you know, the chance and running with it. So uh, I had run into a director in Alabama working with the Alabama Theater downtown, uh, revamping their Christmas decorations, because I also have a design business. Mm -hmm. And so we were working with a young woman on a special event there uh, to feature her musical talents and, and sort of like her life story. She was a graduate of the Alabama School of Fine Arts and had gone on to do great things and had like a ton of children. Mm-hmm. And so we were asked to work on the show together. I was developing the sets and sort of I was the production manager and Don was the director of the show. And we were adding music and, and coming up with all the cool sets and stuff for this mm-hmm. one night only mm-hmm. event at the Alabama. And Don and I struck a chord and just got along and He's told me about 13 Alabama Ghosts, that Red Mountain had developed it in 2011. And I read the story uh, and it brought back, I was flooded with memories from my childhood. And I think Catherine Tucker Wyndham actually came to Gardendale Elementary and talked to us. Mm-hmm. And I remember the book scared me. Oh, wow. <laughs> the ghost stories that she mm-hmm. wrote, some the way she wrote them, it was chilling. You know, mm-hmm. on Halloween... Mm-hmm. Holidays are are one of my favorite things, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. but I have to say Halloween is a special right, favorite right, of mine because right. theater costumes. It's just <laughs> uh, you know that's the perfect mm-hmm. holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that Christmas isn't special, but Halloween has its own place in my mm-hmm, heart. Mm-hmm. So Catherine Tucker Wyndham, you know, having this incredible story, I started reminiscing about my encounter with it as a child and. And so I, I began to be emotionally attached to the project. Mm-hmm. And so Don wanted to see about taking it to New York. Well, when we first looked at the story, Don had like a gabillion kids in the show. Oh, and wow. As a producer uh, or up and coming producer and a junior producer and associate producer, I watched all these other bigger producers work on their shows. And I, and I was an assistant producer on an off-Broadway show called Red Eye of Love with a, a man that won a Tony Award for his version of Dracula with Frank Langella back in the 80s, and his name was John Wolfe. Oh. John Wolfe has a wonderful book that you can still find it online. Um, it was a pleasure getting to work on his show and getting to know him, but mm-hmm. one of the things he told me was, you know, when you have a child on the stage child labor laws as they are in the unions um, on Broadway you have to have two children because if you have eight shows a week for a mm-hmm. Broadway show 
You mm-hmm. can't have a child under the age of, I believe it's like 16 or 18. You have to have two for right. every child in the show. Mm-hmm. So looking at Don's show as a new producer, I was like, oh, I have to talk to him about this. We have to work on the show because mm-hmm. we can't have mm-hmm. 15. Uh, you know, I don't even know how they do Annie anymore Wow, <laughs> to afford it. But uh, so, so I asked Don, would he be open to revamping the show? Okay. breaking it apart and rebuilding it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. And so uh, having done that, I became more familiar with Catherine Tucker Wyndham and, and back circling back as we were on a little rabbit trail there. Um, one of the things she wrote about, I think she titled one of her books, Alabama, One Big Front Porch. Right. And so that little saying that she gave in an interview in the book is really incredible. Um, if you haven't read that you should look up Catherine Tucker Wyndham and get her books. Mm-hmm. 13 Alabama Ghost is wonderful for mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I want to promote my own book, but I also wanted to give a shout out to her and right. that experience that I had with Don taking her show and, and revamping it for an off-Broadway production in New York. We only got to the um, equity reading stage, but hopefully the project will, you know, mm-hmm. come back again. I actually saw that show two years ago yeah. in, in March because um, as a volunteer, you know, I put together the North Jefferson Arts Alliance, which right. is a nonprofit um, arts organization here in Birmingham. And so we sponsored that. You did. Um, That's how we met. That equity reading. That's how we met two mm-hmm. years ago. And you came to New York and we walked around New York together one day. Yep. And one day it was cold, the next day it was hot. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like Alabama. One day it's cold, the next day it's hot. I think the second day we were walking around with you, we had coats and scarves on. And by by the second or third hour, as soon as the sun came up, we were shedding our coats, holding them in our arms. Right, right, right. right. (laughs) That's how it is. Right. I happened to be there on business, so it really worked out well that I got to see the show. And I was intrigued. Um, it was in a small theater, remind me, the street. The John McCollum Theater was where we did it uh, mm-hmm. with my friend um, that runs that, uh, mm-hmm. Jim. And Jim is the owner uh, and artistic director of the American Theater of Actors that's in an old courthouse building. Mm-hmm. He shares it with a, a police precinct and an old courthouse mm-hmm. building on 54th Street. So we right. are across 8th Avenue. The famous Studio 54 that is now 54 Below, which is like a little Mm -hmm. cafe. And and then they have a, they've revamped the nightclub and it's a theater. I forget what's playing there right now, but they have a working theater. Well, that was a fun show. We had people from Birmingham who came up to see the show. Other people were there. We did. And, and, you know, it was amazing. We uh, looked at almost five or 600 people that auditioned for that equity reading. And, you know, most of the people that we selected, I would say a good three quarters of the cast was from Birmingham Mm -hmm. that were living and working in the city. And every one of them, almost every one of them, I think only two were uh, part of the conservatory at Red Mountain Theater Company Mm -hmm. downtown. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was something. And then I think Red Mountain had a special event when we were doing the equity reading. They were at 54 Below, I think Uh the night after, two nights Uh after we did the equity reading. Wow. during one of our rehearsals at the studios, um, Simple Studios, which is in the 30s, mm-hmm. between 7 and 8, um, the head of um, Red Mountain Theater Company brought a, a group of guests that were in New York mm-hmm. to see the, the, mm-hmm. the Studio 54 or the Below 54 concert. Wow. And so they came and heard some of the new music from mm-hmm. 13 Alabama. What did you think of 13 Alabama Ghosts? Because I know what I thought of the show. But you were at the reading where we got to hear it all completely full through. Oh, I thought it was very good. I yeah. mean, I, I I was curious to see or to hear how you were going to put music, uh, or how the stories. music to the stories. And, you know, I would have to say I had I didn't have an opinion going in, mm-hmm. but I was going, how is this going to work? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, are they gonna have the ghost Jeffrey? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I was thinking that too because I thought we would have Jeffrey make an appearance. I thought it was gonna be more kid, mm-hmm. kid like. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that it was gonna be. I didn't know that it would develop into the story about Catherine in Selma. Right, and that was something that happened taking the show he did.
second segment, we had just talked about um, Jeffrey maybe making an appearance at the 13 Alabama Ghost Reading in New York. and Right. When yeah. Don started revamping the show, uh -huh. um, we looked at all the kids. So, of course, we had to get rid of all the kids. So, mm -hmm. um, I suggested that Don use an ensemble and then have the main characters as mm -hmm. Catherine, the, the boy that is has a troubled past mm -hmm. and, and is, is, you know, and gets into trouble with her, his girlfriend mm -hmm. and his mm -hmm. little brother. Mm -hmm. And so those are really the key characters. And then the ensemble could play mm -hmm. Dilsey and Ben, which are Catherine Tucker Wyndham's children, because right. we do a flashback scene to when they had the party and used mm -hmm. the Polaroid and actually captured the, the mm -hmm. apparition that became the mysterious Jeffrey. Mm -hmm. And so that was part of it. And then, we had an older um, actor come out, and he was Zach, mm -hmm. the kid, grown up. So we started the story with Catherine's funeral. Uh, it was really yeah, chilling. Right. Yeah, that was chilling. <laughs> yeah, and they actually did this. Mm -hmm. They had her coffin, and they put the, one of the quilts from G's uh, Ben, right, mm -hmm. on top of her coffin. All right. And so we used a little bit of historical fiction in the musical people are doing almost like a, um, a New Orleans jazz type reception mm -hmm. for her carrying mm -hmm. the coffin and having a, a sitting at the house where guests were coming to pay their respects. Right. So we almost have the parade with the umbrellas and, and, and very reminiscent of like the, second line. like the second line, like the second line. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, you'd asked me what I thought about the musical. I mean, I enjoyed it. I, mm -hmm. I was kind of waiting to see where, when is this going to become like a Broadway musical or off Broadway musical? We were set to, to, to build it. Well, we built mm -hmm. it to be an off Broadway show, mm -hmm. not really a Broadway show. If it had gone to Broadway, that would have been wonderful. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, having investors and some other producers see the equity reading, a lot of people gave mm -hmm. us positive feedback and said the show had great potential. And I think as an mm -hmm. off Broadway show, it would have been really successful. Mm hmm. And you never know. I mean, it might make it one day. It's still out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, most of the music that Kevin Francis Finn, who now lives in the Northeast, but uh, I forget how Kevin and Don met. That'll be another segment. You'll have to interview Don yeah. one day. Yeah. Um, and find out how he met Kevin Francis Finn. But the right. music was really beautiful. It was um, right. very intricate melodies. and and But... The way that the the music carried the lyrics that Don came up with uh -huh. was was, very, was genius. And then they did a pop song. You know, when we revamped it for Off Broadway, they did a pop song, and the guy that played Zach in mm -hmm. the Equity Reading, Ryan Jamal Swain, is mm -hmm. all from Birmingham. Mm -hmm. um, he's now the lead uh, on the FX show Pose. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's like a superstar now. So oh, wow. You can follow him if you're from Birmingham and you want to check out Pose on TV on Fox. Uh, they're in their second season now. Okay. They brought the show back. And Billy Porter's, of course, a, an incredible character in it and, and has become a tour de force after his off-camera singing during the Tonys this past year. Oh, you guys should look, okay. up, look that up because uh, oh, that's okay. quite, a, quite a thing. But yeah, they're having a good time with that show, and, and Ryan is an incredible um, performer, mm -hmm. I would say. Mm -hmm. It's a shame that we don't hear him sing on mm -hmm. Pose, because that that was what really blew us away. I mean, did you remember hearing him sing mm -hmm. that, that mm -hmm. contemporary song in there? Mm -hmm. Bone-chilling. Yeah, yeah, it was bone-chilling. A lot of the music in there was bone-chilling. Yeah. Um, reminding... Especially when we went to New Orleans to that Right. Uh, the Drish house and not New Orleans, Tuscaloosa. Right. The right. Drish house in yeah. Tuscaloosa, which is open. It's in a, an event venue. Right. You can actually rent it for special events right. and weddings. And some of the music that I recall um, was like Southern Gospel. You had a tone, like a little Southern Gospel tone to it. Yeah, I think Kevin told us that he drew from the early days of the mm -hmm. South mm -hmm. and the uh, madrigals and uh, stuff and that sort of old feel right. to it right. that would have been at the time period that the ghosts lived. Right. So if you don't know anything about 13 Alabama Ghosts and Jeffrey, we travel around Alabama and we meet 13 ghosts Right. that 
everyone in Alabama says are real. <laughs> well, I can say, I can, all right, uh, I can say, mm-hmm. and I know we're off topic a little bit, not talking about your book yet, but that's fine. I'm a friend of mine and I took a trip or we did the trip of the old Cahaba oh. last, oh gosh, it was a Saturday before Halloween. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love ghost stories. I, I, I mean, I'm just a, yeah. I don't know. I That's what it. drew Don Everett Garrett to the story. Was yeah. The ghost stories. He yeah, loves. I like the ghost stories. So at old Cahaba, mm-hmm. which is really the first, one of the first sites of the capital of Alabama. Right. It's right outside of Selma. Uh-huh. The only time you can go to this park uh, at night is on, is during the Halloween season. Okay. And it's a ghost tour. Oh. And there's some structures that are still there, but they're, you know, dilapidated, sure. of course. But, um, so a friend of mine and I bought the tickets to go to this, and it was quite scary because they really? told the ghost about the orb in the field, yeah, which um, I think is in Catherine uh, Tucker Wyndham's book. Yeah. We went through Selma first and stopped in Selma. We saw... Mm-hmm. Um, Catherine Tucker Wyndham's grave in one of the cemeteries there. And then we went on out to the, to the event. And while we were there, we got to go in one of the structures because typically you can't go in the structures in this, in this little town. Yeah. Because it's just, you know, it's just not safe. So we went in there and there were some um, uh, ghost hunters there and they had the room set up and they, uh, took you on a tour. You got to go upstairs. I mean, this is just like a house that's fallen in an old, uh, plantation type home. Right. So we, a group of us went upstairs to one room and they had uh, it all set up to see if you could, uh, see ghosts, these ghost hunters, you know, and they had a teddy bear sitting in the middle of this room Uh and they did, you know, they had their, what I call Geiger counters, you know, they had the things that go up, the ghost detectors, the ghost detector detectors (laughs) and the lights and all this, that teddy bear started talking while we were in that room. No. Yes. They were picking it up on the voice voice detector. So, you know, I, 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 I would, think that if people believe that those ghost stories, Alabama ghost stories are true, they are well, true. If you talk to people from Monroeville right. about the courthouse window, right. um, that gentleman's face is still in that glass pane, and that window has been mm-hmm. destroyed, shattered, people mm-hmm. busted it out with rocks right. over the years, and they replace it, and the face comes back. Yep. Yep. And that, that to me, was, was incredible. And you can see it. Like you mm-hmm. go down there mm-hmm. and you'll see the face in the window at the courthouse. So, so I picked up a book from Vulcan Park and Museum and I can, um, you know, kind of post that when I post this podcast okay. about the haunted Alabama. Yeah. Okay. And it talks about all the ghosts that you're talking about with 13 Alabama ghosts and all that. Right. Um, there are more than 13. Yeah. She just picked 13. Right. That had to do with. You know, but art you history. Can, but you can travel around based on this book. And take the tour. And of take Alabama. the tour of wow. Alabama. Mm-hmm. And uh, the courthouse is one of them. Old Cahaba is one of them. So, but let's get into how you became a children's author. What, what influenced you to become a children's author? What influenced you to write Tony the Theater Dog, which is your new children's book that was launched uh, on July 25th here in your hometown of Gardendale. Yeah. Well, just, just talk to me a minute about that. So I've had Tony since 2008. Mm-hmm. He was eight weeks old. And when I got him, he was at a puppy boutique in Brooklyn. And I had gone with a friend who's visiting from Germany. And the guy, uh, my friend, was showing me his mom's dogs and his dogs and his friend's dogs. They all had Maltese. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, look at, and I've not met anyone with a Maltese before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That just had not, had not, and I lived in Birmingham, then I moved to Atlanta for about mm-hmm. 10 years, and mm-hmm. came back to Birmingham, and mm-hmm. then moved to New York in 2006. And so meeting them and seeing these little dogs, I really wanted a Maltese. And so when we went to the pet shop, that's what we were looking for. 
But when we got there, the girl that cleans the little um, bins mm. where they keep all the puppies with the uh-huh. shredded newspaper. Uh-huh. So she brought a little puppy from the back mm-hmm. that didn't look like any of the other dogs. Oh, wow. It was obviously different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she put it in the bin with all the Maltese. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, he started talking, my friend started talking to her, getting the history on the dog and all this stuff. And he grabs the dog up and comes over to me. And because I was a little depressed, we were there. Mm-hmm. The dogs were $2,500. Oh, my gosh. For a puppy. For a puppy. And at this time, Glenn was working at a furniture store. He had just come to New York and didn't have a lot of money. And all the money that I had in the world was, was just trying to survive in New York. And I lived in a mm-hmm. house in Queens on 77th and Roosevelt, right at Jackson Heights. Uh, I rode the E-Train Express into the city from the Roosevelt station um, Mm -hmm. for a while. I mean, that was my first apartment on my own there. And Mm -hmm. I was there a couple of years, but I couldn't see spending $2,500 on a dog. I just didn't have it. If I had it, I I could not see doing that. Right. You know, and plus people are starting to talk about, oh, the puppy moles are bad and and, and breeders are, some breeders are bad. Some breeders do it the right way, but. Mm-hmm. Sometimes these puppy mills are pretty horrendous. And so looking at this dog, I thought to myself, well, where did he come from? And we heard, and he was sort of like separated from, you know, in this puppy mill industry, he'd got, been separated from his brothers and sisters and he was all alone. And this owner of this pet shop couldn't, I don't know what they were going to do with the dog, honestly. Right. I don't, I don't really remember the details behind it, but I remember it was enough of a sad story that I was like, okay, I want this dog. I will take it off your hands. You don't have to worry about where it's going to go mm-hmm. or give it to the Humane Society. I will adopt this dog. Mm-hmm. And so all we had to do was pay the vaccinations and things like that. And I signed a release with the pet owner because he didn't really want to sell it to me. I don't know what they were going to do with it, but obviously the girl mm-hmm. that worked in the back. I think she got in trouble for bringing the dog oh. out, but she saved his life. And, you know, since then, Tony has saved my life countless times. So it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that I did that that day and got him and destiny put mm-hmm. us together. Mm-hmm. So in 2010, fast forward, now I'm living in the city and I'm working as an assistant to a Broadway choreographer. Okay. And we were going to on a tour and that they were mounting a Broadway show. That's pretty famous, which I can't mention, but, um, they were mounting it for a national non equity tour. Okay. Rebuilding the entire show. The original Broadway team was working on it and they were out in long Island. So he calls and says, Hey, are you off work? Do you want to come out and hang out at the resort? Cause they put all the crew and the cast at this golf club resort that was mm-hmm. like, had this big hotel on the mm-hmm. property and stuff. And then mm-hmm. they would bust them over to the little mm-hmm. uh, summer stock theater on the coast there in Long Island. Mm-hmm. It would have been wonderful if it had been like warm weather, <laughs> spring <laughs> or summer or fall, but it was the dead of winter. Oh, wow. And so a snowstorm hit after we got out there to visit them. And they said, well, just stay, stay out here with us because we got stranded with them. So Tony and I went to the uh, little theater with them one morning and they were reenacting a fight scene on the stage where these wolves were attacking the sky. He falls okay. and it was a snow scene in the, mm. in the show. Uh, people are probably guessing what, what musical we're talking about. <laughs> but anyway, so the, the girl's father falls in the snow and these puppets are jumping on him rawr, like that. And so they had made these puppets and actors mm. were dressed in black. Okay during the show operating these puppets. But in rehearsal, they were in plain clothes. The puppets were sort of makeshift rehearsal puppets, but they looked enough like dogs that Tony reacted. Oh. And so when he saw my friend getting jumped on up there by these big dogs, he jumps off my lap and runs up on the stage and is trying to tear up these giant <laughs> wolves. And so everybody went crazy. The cast and crew fell out. They gave everybody a break because everybody uh-huh. was just going nuts because it was it was hilarious. Uh-huh. So um, they said, that's something, you know, and what's that dog's name? And we said, Tony the dog. And then later we added Tony the theater dog to it. And so everyone on the cast and crew for that, that for that tour, mm-hmm. and they did several um, 
revamps of the tour going mm-hmm. around over the mm-hmm. next few years. Mm-hmm. And we would meet the new cast and everything. So everyone and sort of in the tour part of that show, and, and I guess some people around Broadway that know my partner and um, that I was working with, um, know Tony as Tony the Theater Dog. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone knew I was writing a kid's book about it. But I was kind of, while they were putting the show together, we would go to the hotel oftentimes. We weren't right. able to be in the theater when they were working for, you know, secrecy and all that about the new things that are that were going into the show. Um, so while I was in the room, I had my laptop, and I just started thinking, Tony the Theater Dog would be a great story to tell. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I had studied playwriting uh, over my years um, after high school mm-hmm. and and then really like went back to school to finish a bachelor's degree in communications and minored in theater from UAB. And mm-hmm. so I studied writing for performance, which included playwriting and script writing, and, uh, mm-hmm. but not really creative writing or book writing, but playwriting and book writing, it, it's you're telling stories. Right. And so originally Tony, the theater dog uh, developed over notes that I made from 2010 to 2012, and it started a, a young adult novel. Okay. With some illustrations, mm-hmm. and it was telling a story about Tony belonging to a family who moved to New York. Her father was going to mm-hmm. do something or become a theater producer, and so the the kids had Tony. And I guess they found him when they came to New York. So that that story kind of went on the back burner after I came to Alabama and directed and produced. Uh, Disney's Alice in Wonderland Jr. with the Gardner Arts Council okay. as, a, as a summer theater program for kids. Mm-hmm. We had kids from like the latter part of elementary, junior high, and high school all working together because mm-hmm. um, we we really needed a lot of kids to do this Alice in Wonderland show. So we took everyone we could get, you know, to be mm-hmm. in it, um, and they really enjoyed Tony being around. Mm-hmm. And, being a theater dog was fascinating for them. And, and as we did the summer theater camp, instead of having, you know, a huge staff, uh, cause we needed volunteers, we didn't have that many and the budget was constricted. We let the kids and the parents build the costumes. They built the sets. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking there's really something to this letting the kids. I mean, I know this happens in regional theaters and schools right. all across the country, but to tell a story about, what happens in theater to children behind the scenes. Uh-huh. And maybe Tony could tell that story. Tony could be their guide to the theater and teach kids about what it's like behind the scenes. Right. Because unless you're a theater kid, you know, kids go see plays and they're in the audience and they see all this stuff happening on the stage and you think it's just actors and, mm-hmm. and the show. You don't really know how they got to that point mm-hmm. and who they don't know that there are people behind the curtain that are helping the actors. Right. And yeah. so I guess that's when Tony, the theater dog really started to develop as more of a children's illustrated book. Okay. So you've got this idea, you've got this play, you're meshing them together. Mm-hmm. If you've seen, um, I don't know how many people out there have actually seen the book, but it's got some lovely illustrations. So who, one of who the, came up with the characters? Who illustrated it? Where did you find the illustrator? Um, so at the time I had the story, mm-hmm. um, loosely in my place, you know, put together in my head, but it started changing when I started thinking about making an illustrated book mm-hmm. for kids, for mm-hmm. younger kids. Mm-hmm. And so in the summer theater camp, there was a young girl named Olivia Perel. Olivia was the child of a girl that was in the marching band with me at Cardinal High School. Okay. So Sabrina, now Perel, uh, Sabrina Roberts was in the band with me and her daughter, um, Olivia, was in the show as um, Alice's big sister. And she also, then when we went to Wonderland, she Mm -hmm. was the Red Queen. Okay. She was the Queen of Hearts. And so when we were working with the kids, because she was a, um, you know, upperclassman in the high school, um, she assisted Maddie Love, who was a senior at Gardner High School, and she mm-hmm. was the, the adult Alice in Wonderland, and she was also my choreographer. 
So they would sort of help with the kid, the little kids, because uh-huh. we had the kids for two weeks from like eight to five every mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. And so they were helping them, you know, and, and giving them things to do when we had fun activities. They were sort of like camp counselors. Okay. So the kids wanted Livy's. They found out she could draw and they said, we want you to draw what our characters would look like. We're going to tell you what we want our costumes to look like. So she drew these beautiful drawings. I actually have them here if you want oh, to wow. get one. Oh, wow. When she drew these drawings from Alice in Wonderland, they were so beautiful. I told her, I said, Livy, do you mind if we blow these up and auction them to raise money for the mm-hmm. Arts Council mm-hmm. during mm-hmm. the show? Uh-huh. So in the back of the theater, the ladies from the Arts Council worked the table. We had six or seven of her drawings, her costume drawings mm-hmm. from Alice in Wonderland, where mm-hmm. she brought the ideas of these children and what they wanted their costumes to look like. She brought them to life in little characters. Oh, wow. Really amazing talent. So she was going between her sophomore and junior year, and she was going to be attending the Alabama School of Fine Arts. Wow. So now you've got these lovely drawings. I'm getting something in my mind here that mm-hmm. um, she's going to help you with your illustrations on your children's book. That, How did that come that about? That crossed my mind, but I thought, I don't know if a child is going to want to do this or has uh-huh. the... the uh, the maturity to be able to like oversee like multiple drawings for a book. I mean, I wow. don't know, but I saw the level of her talent. It uh-huh. was there. Mm-hmm. So I asked her mom, I said, do you think Olivia would be able to, or be interested in trying to illustrate a book for, about theater with Tony that mm-hmm. I've written? Um, and she goes, I don't know. It's up to her. If she right. wants to do it, we're fine with it. Cause I wanted to ask her parents. She said, mm-hmm. she's a, a, a youth. Uh, she's underage. So um, Livy was like, sure. And I said, well, okay, here's Tony and here's what I want you to draw. So draw a picture of Tony. And so I gave her a, a picture of him and she drew his caricature that's in one of the pages. Actually, when you go with Tony into the theater and you see him standing backstage with a coffee cup. Right. That's actually the first image Livy drew of Tony. Oh, just okay. him. Okay. Standing, looking out in the theater with mm-hmm. his coffee cup. Mm-hmm. Um, so the rest is history. Once yeah. she said yes and drew that, when I saw that drawing of Tony, uh-huh. I was like, she found him. She found the Tony character. Oh, well, that's great. That's great. So I think you've said you're going to do a series of books. Yeah. Going forward. The next but- book is in Alabama. Tony comes from New York with me to put the summer theater camp together. So we're going to go back in time mm-hmm. a little bit. The first book is forward in time. So we're going to go back in time and find the time that we met Livy. We're going to tell kids that story. And oh, so that's great. you'll see in the book, there are a couple of humans, but most of the characters are dogs. Mm-hmm. So the dog, Chrissy, that's here on the porch with yeah, us, my mom's Chrissy. dog, is the, <laughs> is the makeup artist in the book. And since my mom helped us with a lot of the costumes and his son all of her life, uh-huh. She is the costume designer, and that's her dog, Honey, that's oh, okay. the costume designer. Okay, okay. So um, then the guy I worked for, his mom, uh, wanted a Tony dog. She's in California. We had gone to California to work on another project uh, with his company, and I went with him and met his mom, and so she got a Tony the Tony dog. Because uh, okay. Tony's a Maltese Shih Tzu mixed breed. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so... We found out later that there are a lot of these Maltese Shih Tzu mixed breeds. Tony wasn't just the only one. Oh, okay. Because a lot of people had never seen a dog like this before. People yeah. started asking, what mm-hmm. kind of dog is that? Yeah. Because he looks yeah. kind of Havanese, sort of. Yeah. In there. Yeah. So tell me what the story in Tony the Theater Dog putting on a show, your first book. Tell me kind of the, uh, the premise of the story, the foundation of the story, what you hope pe- people get out of this story. Well, uh-huh. it's it's mainly a story about um, including, well, hopefully children take away from it that the world of theater and the world that they're going to live in is a world that is going to have a lot of people that are different than they are. Okay. And hopefully they take away from it that there's no room for intolerance about people and who they are and what they look like and what they think, that we all basically are players on the stage because life Mm -hmm. is a stage Mm -hmm. and we are the players. And Mm -hmm. so hopefully the kids look at this as a story about a dog and theater, 
but see mm. that when the dogs and the cats are at odds with yeah, each other. Yeah, because you have cats, you have mice, mice what and, else? You have people and, they, and, yeah, and, and other dog breeds all right. throughout this book. Yeah, and dogs are all different colors. They're different breeds. Some are mixed breeds. Some are uh -huh. thoroughbreds. Um, uh -huh. You know, and then you have the cats, and the cats are all different types of cats. Um, uh -huh. And then you throw the mice in there, and the mice and the cats have had a war going on way before, you know, <laughs> before anyone, I think. The, the cat and mice game is, uh -huh, is probably uh -huh. the oldest of the battles. Right. So even in this book, we get all the dogs and the cats and the mice working together. And that's mm -hmm. Tony's idea is to listen. And this teaches children to listen. Because oftentimes when there's a conflict, if we would be quiet and talk and not talk about what we want, because mm -hmm. that's what happens. Everybody's talking about what they want. I want, I want, I want, I want. And that's where our conflicts start. And mm -hmm. so to resolve conflicts peaceably, you have to listen. Mm -hmm. And Tony causes everybody to stop fighting and just listen. Mm -hmm. So we ask the mice, why are you here? And mm -hmm. when you hear their story, <laughs> you can't help but want to help them. Right, right. And you find out that they have something that is a benefit to the others. Right. So we all bring something to the table. It's what I hope that the kids learn. And never underestimate the power of cheese, as Tony says. The power of cheese. Power of wow. cheese. Wow. You'll know what that means when you read the book. Yeah, yeah. So you chose Alabama to launch your book. You were you launched this book at the Gardendale Public Library mm -hmm. on July 25th. Yeah, when I was a kid in Gardendale Elementary, we would go to the library after school. A lot of times okay. my parents were both working. And so if my, if I couldn't go to my aunt's house, I couldn't come home and be alone in mm -hmm. the house. They mm -hmm. didn't really want that. There wasn't a subdivision. There wasn't kids to play with yet. Um, so I was often alone and I would go, I had a cousin uh, or two that was around my age. And uh, one of them, I remember, she's an actor here in Birmingham, Brooke Wood. Um, Brooke was an incredible reader. Mm -hmm. I mean, she still is probably a super reader. She, I know she has a bookshelf. Mm -hmm. in her apartment and reads probably a book or two or three a month, if mm -hmm. not a week. Uh -huh. um, I, I wish I was the reader that she is. I, I am a voracious reader. When I get a book that I enjoy, I'm a, more of a storyteller. And I think I got that from hanging out in the library. Mm -hmm. I did love to read books and go to the library. Mm -hmm. There was just something magical about that. But, mm -hmm. and, you know, we didn't have computers back then. So we had this card catalog and you had mm -hmm. to, Go to the card catalog and pick the card and find the number. And then you go down and the library was organized in such a way that we were taught how to use the card catalog and find the books. And mm -hmm. finding the books was kind of a cool game for me, too. Mm -hmm. I loved, like, researching and finding the title in the card catalog mm -hmm. and then going out into all those books and finding it. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to New York, going to the New York Library, <laughs> it was like being a kid again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I attended the event last week or two weeks ago. It's been two weeks now. Mm -hmm. um, you have a lot of love and support here in Gardendale. Lots yeah. of people wanted to have a copy of your book. So you should feel very excited that it's taken off as yeah. it has I'm really in your hometown. Honored. I'm really honored that I could do it here at the town. And mm -hmm. I dedicated the 100th numbered copy to the city of Gardendale because mm -hmm. they just turned a hundred. You had the mayor come out. The mayor was there. You had the, you, you gave, you Although, dedicated one to the schools around like. Yeah, each uh, one of the schools, Gardendale and mm -hmm. Bragg and the high school. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what's the next, what's the next step with this particular book? So with this book now, um, the Amazon sales reached a record number after mm -hmm. the, the book launch. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Right after the book launch, um, can I talk about the public relations company? Sure, sure. Okay, your public relations company inspired <laughs> Southerner, <laughs> kind of put us on the map and got us on uh, a radio show one Sunday afternoon uh -huh. with uh -huh. Robin. Um, uh, what's her name? Rhonda, Rhonda Robinson. Rhonda Robinson. Yeah, Robin Robinson. McKenzie. Yeah, show. Uh huh. So she was. I remember when she was on Fox Six. Yeah. Yeah. The um, six on your side, right? Ronda right. Robinson, that's one of the that's one of the things that Rhonda did. Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. She was a reporter, though. Yeah, she was a reporter. And it was 
it was really a blast being in the room. And so we did her show on Sunday afternoon on 101.1 FM here in Birmingham. Mm -hmm. And after the book launch and that, and then the my hometown newspaper put us on the front page. And so we're back with segment three, and we were talking about um, where we go from here. You had done some PR with your book here in Alabama. Yeah, thanks to Inspired Southerner PR, your company. Mm -hmm. uh, we got on the radio, and then we were on the front page of the North Jefferson News uh -huh. with my mom, uh, who's turning 93 in September, the end of September, and I'll be back down here to do a book signing at the Little Professor in Homewood. Well, we're working that out. We, yeah, we're working um, that out. We'll hopefully know Monday when I email them back. Yeah, yeah and they can, they can check updates on the book and where we're going to be. Mm -hmm. We'll be coming back to Alabama repeatedly. Several mm -hmm. schools had said, mm -hmm. you know, we want you to come. I think we talked to the Birmingham Library, which is over 19 libraries in the Birmingham area. Yeah, in the Birmingham system. So I'm working on getting hardback copies because the book right now is um, an early stage of the publication because mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. the publishing company is a part of my theater company in New York. Um, I started my own publishing company to publish plays and things like that. Mm -hmm. So because the book has to do with theater, I just published it under that right. publishing company. Right. And so self-publishing was another, that's another podcast that I'll do that's next time. Totally with you. Know, uh, every, you know, because there might be people out there that yeah, say, I have yeah. a kid's book. I want to find an yeah. illustrator or well, you know, I'm an illustrator and I want to find someone who has a story. Right. And all this stuff looks easy. But as you can tell, sitting here doing, trying to record a podcast and talk about the book, it's yeah. not as easy as it looks. It, we make it look easy, <laughs> but it's not easy. It's not as easy no, as it looks. The book took two and a half years. Wow. Two and a half years. Yeah. And we're just getting started. It really just went. Yeah, because I think you mentioned the book to me when I was in New York in March of 2017. Correct. And, you know, I didn't know much about it. And right. it was kind of an idea at the time or it had already started. But... It started. The story was forming. But really, Olivia didn't start the illustrations mm -hmm. until that fall. Right. She okay. started drawing the black and white drawings. We got the image of Tony. Did I see those? Did the you black show and white me? drawings. Yeah, yeah you, so, you showed me the black and white drawings. Yeah, um, I said, look, she, it's starting to happen. Yeah, she's an amazing illustrator. Yeah, so um, during her 11th grade year at Alabama School of Fine Arts, she did the black and white drawings, and then mm -hmm. she colorized them up until she finished them early, January mm -hmm. or February, because her mm -hmm. senior year, I wanted to get the book out. So that when she was in college, hopefully mm -hmm. the book would be selling, mm -hmm. and some of her royalties could offset her college you know, tuition. Because I know her parents are helping, and she got scholarships, of course. And she's going town. to Syracuse, what, in a week? Syracuse University in a week. She'll be headed up there without her brand new car that she got when she <laughs> graduated. <laughs> so a southern girl going to the going to the northern part of New York. Northern part of New York. Yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. to the east of Buffalo. Oh wow! Syracuse. Lots of snow, I think she said. Yeah, and Syracuse. You know, you should Google it if you're out there. Syracuse University is a beautiful campus. Mm -hmm. It looks like one of the Harry Potter stories. Or well, something. I have a friend who, I have several friends who graduate oh. from Syracuse University because it's known for its journalism and PR program. Oh, so wow, it's great. got a well-known journalism program yeah. there at Syracuse University. Once so. she's going to study architecture, so obviously mm -hmm. I think they, they're known for architecture mm -hmm. also. Well, tell, the, tell us the website that we can... Uh, Okay. Your website. Okay, so find us on Facebook, because if you're Facebook Live or you're in social media at all, a lot of people are on Facebook. Tony the Theater, and spell theater, T-H-E-A-T-R-E, -E, uh -huh. dog. Tony the Theater dog on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram, at Tony the Theater dog. You can find us on Twitter, and that's Tony Theater dog, without mm -hmm. the T-H-E, Tony mm -hmm. Theater dog on Twitter. And then our Facebook, um, our website, where you can buy the book, is TonyTheTheaterDog.com, mm -hmm. or I think I just registered uh, TonyTheaterDog.com, too. Okay. All spelled T-H-E-A-T-R-E. Where else can we buy the book? Amazon is the, uh, the biggest um, retailer right now. We launched with Amazon, um, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. as of July 15th, we went public, mm -hmm. and... Now Amazon is stocking the book, and, and I know when you go to Amazon, it may say that it takes a month or two to get the 
book. Right. But that's because our pre-sales took, Sky, like, took off. Yeah, they skyrocketed. They skyrocketed, <laughs> and we spiked several times during yeah. our pre-sales. Like, yeah. usually they have one spike. Right. We had five spikes because we kept working with you and doing social media and all the stuff and promotions. Right. And right. so it was just a lot, and mm-hmm. I think they're playing catch-up. Like, uh-huh. I, I bought a book uh, on another Amazon account besides my personal one to test it. Mm-hmm. And I just got the notice. I ordered it June 11th and I just got the notice that it's shipping. So they're now oh, wow. getting their stock. And so if you ordered a book and you've been waiting mm-hmm. and everybody else is buying the book at the book signing in Gardendale, hang on. It's coming. It may say it's coming in two months, but it's not. It's coming in the next week or two. You'll get your book. Okay. And then once they're stocked, mm-hmm. they'll ship it quickly. So what are your plans to launch this in New York? You've got a lot of friends in New York. You've got lots a lot of, of theater people, lots of theater people yeah. who are friends in New York. Uh, what are, what are your plans to launch and when are you going to launch in New York? Or are you going to do the same thing that you did here? I don't know yet. Um, there is one little bookshop that I like that's on the Upper West Side. Mm-hmm. Um, that we're working with right now. They have a little loft. It's, it's a tiny little bookshop. Mm-hmm. In New York, there's a lot of little tiny bookshops. Right. So I I kind of want to do the first launch, a small launch, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at that bookstore mm-hmm. because I remember they were going to go away and the community got together, the neighborhood got together mm-hmm. and said, no, we don't want this to go away. And so they mm-hmm. kind of saved him. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I kind of have that as a sweet spot. In, mm-hmm. in my heart. That reminds me of the movie You've Got Mail. Do you remember that movie with Tom Hanks? Yeah. And Sat, uh, uh, Meg Ryan. Uh-huh. Uh, the shop around the corner was going to go away. It, it it actually went away because yeah. a bigger, larger... Uh, Tried to open up. Right? Yeah. It did open up, but mm-hmm. that's kind of nice that you want to... It's always good to support entrepreneurs, I think, because, you know, we're out here, no matter what you do as an entrepreneur, we're out here mm-hmm. well, that's day why. in and day out trying to, you know, get our point across, get, get our product or mm-hmm. service out there in the community. So I commend you for wanting to work with the mom what i call mom and pops i don't know if they call them that in new york mom and pop bookstores well people think because i'm in new york and i have a design company and i have a communications company that builds websites that i'm like mega wealthy and have these are small companies Uh i have multiple companies because i like to do multiple things right and have multiple revenue streams coming in but they're small companies i'm Mm -hmm. a mom well there's no there's no mom and pop but i'm a pop shop (laughs) (laughs) um I'm a small business, and yeah. so of course I want to help other small mm-hmm. businesses because we're in this together. Right. I mean, I'm not a big giant company. Um, right. It's just me. There's no right. other employees. Right. Um, I did this all on my own and figured out the graphic design, the book on my own, and wow. and so I, am I eager to get in Barnes and Noble and Books a Million? I hope so. We're supposed to be on their website, and we were on their website when we first launched through the distributor, but we have to wait for Ingram is the wholesaler uh-huh. to stock the book in order to make the book accessible right. to them. And I think the book needs to move from paperback into hardback, which I mm-hmm. haven't made that transition yet because mm-hmm. we have to sell so many copies. So mm-hmm. I, I think once our second and third book and fourth book comes out, because right. we have the summer camp book that's the second one uh-huh. where we come to Alabama, then we're going to do holiday books. We're going to do a Halloween and a Christmas book. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Tony, I love the Halloween book. Yeah, Tony inherits. <laughs> yeah, Tony the dog inherits a theater in New York, an old abandoned theater, and we're gonna go in and fix it up and and do shows again. Uh, and funny. when he gets there, he finds out that the theater's not empty. Ah, so we're gonna meet, uh, hear a ghost story there. <laughs> meet some interesting characters in that story. For That'll sure. be fun. <laughs> That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Well, I wish you luck on your. Thank you book sales. Thank um, you. I think Livy and her family are pleasantly surprised mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. very happy with what we're doing with it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, speaking of mom and pop shops, after we did the library signing, we did another small book signing for some people that missed us at the Gardendale Library at Main Street Collectibles. So she, uh, yeah. Yeah, she has some books on consignment. So if you didn't get a book and you're in the Gardendale, Fultondale or Jefferson County area and you want to pick one up mm-hmm. right now, she's the only retailer in the area that has some so you can get the nine by seven version from her 
walk right. into her store and she's in the little shopping center. I think it's 1705 um, Highway 31, right before you get to the Gardendale Post Office. It's right there on the right. And she's like the second or third store on the left. There's a mm-hmm. computer store and then Main Street Collectibles. Mm-hmm. You can find her on Facebook too. She has Main Street Collectibles. So before we close, you said something about an animated show or some sort of show that might come out of this? Well, we took Olivia's drawings and I got an animator to vectorize and animate her drawing of Tony. Okay. And so you saw the cutout. If you Uh go to our Facebook page, you'll see the cutout Mm -hmm. that was at uh, the book signing. Uh And that hopefully will become an animated character. And we wrote a uh, pilot for a children's animated series. Oh, wow. So we never know. What you never know never what's going to come out of all the hard work that you put into these things. Yeah, that would be a wonderful That would be surprise. awesome. Yeah. That would be awesome. Well, I've enjoyed working with you with the PR piece of this. Thank um, you. I've enjoyed working with your company, too. So, you know, telling your story as an entrepreneur to the people out there who may want to do something and I guess it goes to show you that um, you don't give up No. what's the advice you would give to other entrepreneurs I would say um, don't get hung up on your failures mm-hmm. you have to learn how to fail right. to become successful and I don't think I'm successful yet but I'm learning how to fail and that mm-hmm. was the biggest thing that I would read these posts and things memes and stuff that people put out there about failing and when I first started, I didn't care what they said about failing. It still hurt until you get to the point to where the hurt. Yes, it hurts. And it mm. might hurt financially, emotionally, whatever. When you get to where you can get through all that and just mm-hmm. focus on the next step, mm-hmm. it's like the faster you get up and dust yourself off and keep going, mm-hmm. I think that's when you're going to really start hitting your stride. Right. And the five-year rule about starting a business, that's very accurate. Mm-hmm. It takes you about a year to sort of get the foundation laid. And then the second and third year, you're making mistakes and failing. And then about the fourth year, you're like, oh, I have a win. I had Oh, I had another win. Mm-hmm. And then by your fifth year, I think your wins sort of outweigh. If you learn and if you do the things mm-hmm. and, and you listen, you know, like Tony's book, if we listen and watch other people... I think that's a big thing too. Learning how to fail and then looking at what others do and taking notes and um, take Christy. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Percy wanted to comment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Percy, what are you doing? Um, she's agreeing with me or disagreeing. Hey, come here. Let me see you. Come here. You want to say hi to everybody? So, yeah. So, um, just stick with it. Uh-huh. You know, learn how to fail, listen to others, and uh-huh. take criticism instead of taking it in because they... they if, Negatively keep it positive. Yeah. And you have to have even a positive if, mindset. You have to have a positive mindset. And even if they're giving you a negative comment, look at it as a, a chance to improve that. Thank right. you and thank them. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being honest about mm-hmm. telling me that was mm-hmm. awful or you shouldn't have done that or that was, you know, a mm-hmm. bad decision mm-hmm. you know it doesn't feel good to hear that but you need to hear it and you need to be able to hear it because right. if you if you are receptive and they see that you're receptive then people are not afraid to critique you or tell you mm-hmm. how you need to improve because mm-hmm. then they know they're not going to get a stereotypical answer because i think a lot of people that are successful mm-hmm. won't help other people coming up you know unless you're at one of these big seminars where you're paying three or five hundred dollars to attend But I think other successful people that know people in their lives that are trying to become successful, oftentimes you can't help people because they're not ready to take the advice. Right. You have to be open to take the advice. Yeah. And know, yeah. And know that what they're saying, you can vet it. You can either take their advice or not. But Uh if it seems reasonable, you know, you should take their advice. And there's mom. Hi, mom. And you also have to be, <laughs> and you also have to continually learn. Um, oh yeah, you and have to be explore new avenues, learn from, you know, get mentors. Um, you know, I recently got into Success by Help, which is a, 
uh, brand ambassador affiliate for Myco Cafe, which is a health and healthy coffee. And I think you're you're in it now. I'm on it. I'm into it. The Myco Cafe chai tea. I've just finished this during our bro- uh-huh. <laughs> our uh-huh. podcast and broadcast, uh-huh. and I love it. So there's some what I've learned in the last I'd say couple of months. There are some mint, you, you don't ever stop learning, no. Um, no matter what age you are. I, you know, I think last year at this time, I was really feeling down about myself because, you know, I was having a hard time myself. Yeah. Well, um, starting a boutique PR firm is really hard, especially yeah. when you're coming out of a job that's a corporate job. And mm-hmm. I think people that work for companies that get a weekly paycheck don't understand. They cannot understand how mm-hmm. hard it is to be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. or a small business owner. They just can't fathom that. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think sometimes I've heard people tell me, just get a job, just go get a job like everybody else. Right. But it doesn't fit my personality. I, okay. I want, I want to own my own business. I always have. Mom right. said when I was a kid, I would come up with business after business and make, she said I made business cards mm-hmm. like all the time. Mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. come up with a company and make a business card. I was even in junior achievement. I think they still have junior achievement around. Yeah, I think so. I yeah, think so, so if people too. sense that their children are interested in, mm-hmm. you know, having a little lemonade stand and you can mm-hmm. tell your children are mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. That mm-hmm. There are telltale signs of it. Get them in programs like junior achievement so they can get the foundation of Right. I wish I had stuck with junior achievement and I think I would be a lot mm-hmm. further ahead in my mm-hmm. success now. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, last year I went through the summer was really hard for me after right. stepping. Uh, and that was like a year into my starting my business, my boutique PR yeah. firm. You hear the step out, step out onto the water. You've heard that. Yeah. You are stepping out onto the water. Right. And you don't always walk on water the first time. Right. Well, I don't know <laughs> that I ever will walk on water, yeah. but, but. Take the life vest. Right. Take the life <laughs> You're going to go on the water. And hold on to the buoy out the water until somebody comes. That's right. Until you rescue yourself because nobody's going to rescue you. No, no, you're out there alone. Yeah. But I think for me. But later, just know that you're going to grab the ski rope uh-huh. and you're going to like get on the skis. Get on the skis. Yeah. See yourself on the skis when yeah. you get onto the water. If you keep fo- focusing on the fun uh-huh. of skiing that you're uh-huh. going to get to, uh-huh. I think you'll be all right. Right. But about a couple of months ago, changing mindset from. Right. Being very positive, I credit, like I said, Success by Health and some mentors I've met over the last couple of months because, you know, no matter what you do in life, you've got to have a positive outlook. No. No matter what you do. That's right. Well, I want to thank you for doing the podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm looking forward to hopefully working out the little professor book signing on Monday. I got to email them Monday to yeah. confirm it. And others, if anyone yeah. is out there, you know, right. that listens to this and says, Hey, I want that book in my shop or mm-hmm. I want that book in our store mm-hmm. or I want to recommend that book. They can go to their library and request the library buy it. Mm-hmm. Or you can buy a book and donate it to your library. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I wanted to mention one thing before okay. we wrap it up. Right. In these libraries, is a nonprofit that we just partnered with right after our launch. I met them on the internet through Instagram and I heard the story of a teacher who just passed away suddenly in Long Island and her family and the community was so devastated. They started these little libraries in uh-huh. her honor. Uh-huh. So you can look it up at hindyslibraries.org. We are partnering with them. You can go to our website, Tony, the theater dog and donate a book to uh-huh. children in hospitals around the country. Oh, wow. That's so if you sweet. just donate $8, some people are even taking work pools. Like a lady the other day bought 20 books oh, nice. for just the library. So you'll mm-hmm. see it says uh, donate a book and mm-hmm. it's $7.99. Mm-hmm. Click on that, throw it in your cart with, with your other book. But just know that we won't be sending you a book for $7.99. We're going to, for $7.99, that covers the cost of making mm-hmm. the book. And then we wrap them, they're shrink-wrapped and mm-hmm. sealed right off the printer. They have gloves on so that they're um, sanitary mm-hmm. to go into the many of the environments there at the yeah. children's hospitals around the country. Okay. So if you want to help us, 
and help Hindi's libraries because we send those books to Hindi's and then Hindi sends them right. to hospitals around the country and children are going to get a Tony the Theater dog book with your help. I'm so excited that you're giving back. That's such a great story. Yeah. All right, Glenn. Well, thank you for being my guest today. Hopefully we'll get these podcasts. I'll get these podcasts going again. Yeah. Um, it's been about a year, but I really appreciate your time and love sitting on the front porch of your mom's house yeah. here in Alabama. We'll do this again. Yeah, this let's nice. do it again. This is fun. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Glenn. Bye, everyone. Bye.